We all love a good hero's journey, a person just like us, setting out on an adventure to find themselves, make their mark on the world, or to conquer a great evil. But what happens when the hero is murdered? And that happily ever after, we're all craving, becomes instead a nightmare. This is what happens in The Singing Balm, a story by the Brothers Grimm. Considered by many as one of the oldest stories collected, with possible origins reaching back as far as 2,000 years, The Singing Balm delves into the darkest of sibling rivalries. Deemed as inappropriate for children, this is one grim tale that hasn't been dolled up and watered down for young ears. Its startling truth may leave you wondering how many men and women in history have killed a sibling to obtain what they wanted. But maybe the story, even as disturbing as it is, has some pleasing ending after all. I suppose that depends on if you consider justice a happy ending. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. First, let's hear the original story, found in the public domain. Once upon a time, in a certain country, there was great concern about a wild boar that was destroying the peasants' fields, killing the cattle, and ripping people apart with its tusks. The king promised a large reward to anyone who could free the land from this plague, but the beast was so large and strong that no one dared to go near the woods where it lived. Finally, the king proclaimed that whoever could capture or kill the wild boar should have his only daughter in marriage. Now, in this country there lived two brothers, sons of a poor man. They declared that they dared to attempt the task. The older one, who was crafty and shrewd, did so out of pride. The younger one, who was innocent and simple, did so because of his kind heart. The king said, In order to be more sure of finding the beast, you should enter the woods from opposite sides. Thus, the older one entered the woods from the west, and the younger one from the east. After the younger one had walked a little while, a little dwarf stepped up to him. He held a black spear in his hand and said, I am giving you this spear because your heart is innocent and good. With it you can confidently attack the wild boar. It will do you no harm. He thanked the dwarf, put the spear on his shoulder, and walked on fearlessly. Before long, he saw the beast. It attacked him, but he held the spear toward it, and in its blind fury, it ran into the spear with such force that its heart was slashed in two. Then he put the monster on his back and turned toward home, intending to take it to the king. 
Emerging from the other side of the woods, he came to a house where people were making merry drinking wine and dancing. His older brother was there too, thinking that the boar would not run away from him any time soon. He had decided to drink himself some real courage. When he saw his younger brother coming out of the woods with the boar, his envious and evil heart gave him no peace. He called out to him, Come in, dear brother, rest and refresh yourself with a beaker of wine. The younger brother, suspecting no evil, went in and told him about the good dwarf, who had given him the spear with which he had killed the boar. The older brother kept him there until evening, and then they set forth together. After dark they came to a bridge over a brook, and the older brother let the younger brother go first. When the younger brother reached the middle above the water, the older one gave him such a blow from behind that he fell down dead. He buried him beneath the bridge, took the boar, and delivered it to the king, pretending that he had killed it. With this he received the king's daughter in marriage. When his younger brother did not return, he said, the boar must have ripped him apart, and everyone believed it. But as nothing remains hidden from God, this black deed was also to come to light. After many long years, a shepherd was driving his herd across the bridge and saw a little snow-white bone lying in the sand below. Thinking that it would make a good mouthpiece, he climbed down, picked it up, and then carved out of it a mouthpiece for his horn. When he blew into it for the first time, to his great astonishment, the bone began to sing by itself. Oh, my dear shepherd, you are blowing on my little bone. My brother killed me and buried me beneath the bridge to get the wild boar for the daughter of the king. What a wonderful horn, said the shepherd. It sings by itself. I must take this to the king. When he brought it before the king, the horn again began to sing its little song. The king understood it well and had the earth beneath the bridge dug up. Then the whole skeleton of the murdered man came to light. The wicked brother could not deny the deed. He was sewn into a sack and drowned alive. The murdered man's bones were laid to rest in a beautiful grave in the churchyard. Much like the story of Cain and Abel in the Bible, these brothers were opposites, representing both good and evil, one hardworking and one not, one pure and one deceitful. The story explores divine retribution as well, which is the supernatural punishment of a person for his or her actions. The story may have Greek origins in the myth of Meliager and his hunt for the Caledonian boar which ultimately tore his family apart. As noted by Graham Anderson, both stories involve a hunt of a boar, a killing of a family member, and death as a consequence. And both stories have at their core a hidden object. Although The Singing Bone is clearly a story of family murder, it's also a ghost story of sorts. In the following tale, I explore a different, modern perspective of the story using similar elements. 
I found my steps leading me deeper into the forest and farther from the house. I needed to unplug, remove myself from the noise, and there's not a better place to do that than in the comforting embrace and shelter of the trees. The swooshing sound of their branches, leaves rustling, decay crunching beneath my feet, reminding me that the true source of life is found off the screen and away from the chatter of angry voices, booming opinions, and the endless finger-pointing, judgment of the embittered world. Yes, it was nature that offered balance, offered truth. Its silence spoke volumes more than their noise. The trail ended, but I could go deeper. I glanced back, hesitating, feeling the near-constant pull of my phone, which I purposely left on the coffee table. What was it that kept me checking, that kept me clicking on every red bubble notification? I resented my lack of self-control and my need to check. I missed the days of landlines and taking a drive or going on an errand and truly being unavailable work emails and feeling the need to network and be social all the time. All the time it wore on my soul. A breeze brushed across my face, the faint smell of jasmine reaching my nose. I loved it here, right now, away, unavailable, no one to call me, no one to respond to, no texts, no emails, no notifications, just me in the quiet, alone with the trees. Nothing to compete with my thoughts, no distractions. As I pushed farther into the woods, I thought I heard something singing, a soft voice in the wind. I knew it wasn't actually someone singing. I'd been in the woods enough throughout life to know that the wind and trees like to play with your mind. They can convince you that you're hearing a waterfall even if there's no water for miles. They too have their fun, their own sort of natural entertainment. I stopped momentarily to brush a large spiderweb from my path and suddenly realized that the song had words. Actual words. Uncover the truth. What lies in the dirt? Come, come, come. As the words repeated, I drew closer to the source of the song. I pushed aside wild branches and climbed over a fallen tree, going deeper and deeper into the unknown until I came upon a stream that ran parallel to our property and into the lake behind my house. The song continued, a new verse now. You never knew how close you were to death, to Approaching the edge of the creek, something bizarre, 
out of place stood out to me. A bright white bone peeped out of the water. My heart froze and I gasped. My breath caught and my knees buckled at the sight. Without thought, I reached for my phone in my pocket, but of course it wasn't there. Every death has a story to tell, and mine is now yours. It was singing, the bone was singing, as if it wanted to be found, as if it wanted me to find it. I knew I shouldn't touch it. It's evidence of something. I knew in my gut that if I were to disrupt the dirt a little, I'd surely find more of this person, this abandoned being left in a shallow grave. Ghosts need someone to hear their stories. They need their mystery solved in order to move on, or so we've been told. But perhaps that's only part of the story. Maybe it's the world's way of righting wrongs, or maybe their strange and haunting presence or singing is a reminder to us all that there were people here before. And it's not only our stories that fill the universe. The echoes and empty bones serve as a reminder that the past is never as far as it seems. Remnants of it surround us. Everywhere we turn, a memory, a beginning, an ending has occurred. But we're often too distracted to see what's right in front of us. We prefer to overlook, drown out the truth with noise, and ignore the stories surrounding us. More on that in a bit, but first, allow me to introduce you to another awesome podcast. Hi, I'm Melissa Cummins from The Haunted Right, a paranormal podcast dedicated to you and your experiences. I know what it's like to have something happen to you that's unexplainable, and how it feels to want to tell someone but you're concerned they may think you're crazy. Whether it's a disembodied voice, an apparition, or something you just can't explain, this is your place to share it. So come tune in with me every week while we discuss anything and everything that falls into our paranormal and supernatural world. Because ghosts are out there, and if you're not careful, they will get you. When's the last time you visited a cemetery? Or the last time you even wondered about the people who were buried at your local graveyard. I walk by an old cemetery regularly. The iron gates are covered in moss and fungus. The doors are always open, but I've never seen anyone there. The headstones are mere shadows from the street, unnoticed, uncared for. No flowers, no one pays them any mind. It's at the end of a prestigious historic neighborhood. Life happens all around these quiet bones, but no one seems to wonder who they were. No one cares about their stories. But me. I wonder from afar, recognizing their beauty and mystery. 
Of course, we all expect to find bones in a graveyard, but not so much in the wild. Not human remains, that is. We don't sit out on a walk wondering if we'll stumble on a mystery. No, we hope to avoid things like that. We as humans do everything possible to pretend that bad things don't happen to good people. We don't want to be confronted with the truth that sometimes even the best die young and tragically. Even worse, some lives have been ended by the people they trust most, their own family. Fratricide is the killing of one's brother, and the singing bone describes it well. Unfortunately, it's not as rare as we may think. In fact, some very famous leaders killed to obtain their status. Many of us remember Cleopatra as the lover of Caesar and Mark Antony, the lovely woman who ended her life in a dramatic way is also believed to have been responsible for having her siblings murdered to obtain the throne. And she's not the only one, of course. When King Edward IV died, his brother Richard was to be Lord Protector over his two young sons and heirs. But Richard had the king's marriage with the boy's mother declared bigamous, which kept the boys from becoming heirs. The children then disappeared and Richard III is believed to have been responsible. Even the beloved Queen Elizabeth I had her cousin, Mary Queen of Scots, locked up and later killed. Mary may have been plotting her murder, but historians know. Either way, there was a lot of foul play involved in that family. So many famous families have skeletons in their closets. If you go back far enough, you may find a few in your own family's past. The singing bone serves as a warning that pride indeed is the beginning of the fall, and anything that is done in darkness will, in time, be brought to light. The truth will be told, the mystery will be solved, and every singing bone will find its rest. Fabled was produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod. I want to take a moment to celebrate that this is the six-month anniversary of the start of Fabled. It's been an incredible journey so far, and I'm looking forward to telling you lots and lots more stories. Many thanks to my friend Mary for becoming a patron this week. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron and enjoy bonus content. Fabled's generous patrons help make the show and the books possible, and for that I am so incredibly grateful. And if you'd like to know more about The Singing Bone, be sure to see the show notes at fablecollective.com. As always, Thank you for listening.